Welcome to the Tooth or Dare podcast with Irene and Katrina. The only dental podcast to bring you a Canadian RDH and an American RDH. These ladies bring you mic-dropping interviews with your favorite social media peeps and epic people doing amazing things in dentistry. Now let's put our over gloves together for Tooth Life Irene and Katrina the Wine Genist. of the Tooth or Dare podcast, Peeps, with your peeps, Irene and Katrina. How are Hi. you, my friend? Wow. I'm, I'm good, Irene. I'm feeling good. Do you know what? I, um, I just got back in town yesterday. I was out of, out of tune um, on a vacation. Yeah. Like, I wasn't traveling for work. I was traveling for pledge. Like, who even am I? Oh my god! Like crazy. I don't even know. All of a sudden, you have a boyfriend, and look at you domesticating. Are we calling him your boyfriend? I know we call him your lumber, but is, is that like lumber. an official term? Yeah, like he, he's he, your lumber. So we, he we is, have, yeah, he's your lumber. He's that's my it. lumber. We, he's that, my boyfriend. That is the yeah. So he, he he's oh, like oh he's my he's my lumber boy. My my lumber boy. He so he texted me like a couple weeks ago and he's like, hey, this is super random. But like I have some Southwest miles that are like expiring, blah, blah, blah. Like, do you just want to pick like a random city and just go and like experience it? And so I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. So he's like, well, how about Albuquerque? And I was like, OK, so it turns out I had miles. Like New Mexico, New Mexico. Yeah. So it turns out I had miles that were expiring, too. So I was like, I'm actually kind of glad he like told me about it because I ended up using my miles. So we went, we went to Albuquerque, just like literally hopped on a plane, blah, 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 went, ate like all the New Mexican food, like green chili, red chili, like Christmas style. We went to, um, we went up to Santa Fe for a day, went to Meow Wolf. Um, What's Meow <laughs> okay, good Wolf? good question. Because I was what? like, what is Meow Wolf? So it's this like super like tripped out psychedelic experience. It's an art installation. Is it like ayahuasca? Did you do ayahuasca? No, I, I, that probably would have made it more fun. Um, we were, wow. so you go up there, they're like, they had 200 different artists that created all of the installations for this. They have one in Denver, I guess, and they also have one in um, Vegas. So you go and it's just like crazy art and like it's, it's you know, music and visual stimulation and lights and lasers. I mean, it's like, it's a lot of stimulation, but just very cool. Wow. You could spend hours in there. So we went up to Meow huh? Wolf, which was fun. <laughs> um, but I will Did say- Did Meow Wolf make you say meow, meow with all of the stimulation? Yeah, basically. I was like, wowzers. <laughs> um, and, you know, honestly, we just, we had a really nice time. Albuquerque is one of those nice. towns that's still a bit shut down with everything going on with COVID, which is a bit polarizing mm. because Phoenix is- certainly far more open our restaurants are open and things right. like that um so it's we crazy. didn't get to do as much um sightseeing as we would have liked to have been able to do but right. yeah we were uh, out of town in albuquerque and just got back um late last That's night so, cool. so yeah it was kind of cool i love hearing that people are resuming life to normal i mean i i'm i'm kind of jealous and upset about it all at the same time because I just want to like go to Ikea and return some of the stuff that I bought, but I can't because the stores have been <laughs> closed the one for thing 15, you do. 15 months. Girl, our restaurants, let's just sink in for a moment. Our restaurants have basically been closed down for 15 it's, months. Like it's a, it's crazy. It really is. It, that's like the lifespan of a goldfish yeah. or a beta fish. Yeah, it sure is. I will say some of the things that I'm starting to see now, like in New Mexico, for example, they said, um, vaccinated individuals 
do not need to wear a mask in this area or in that area. Um, so we're starting to see some mm. of that starting to open back up. I have not seen those signs in Arizona, but we're starting to see that there's some interesting do, interpretations or some we, movements to try and get some things opened. Um, but yeah, it, it is incredible. How do they monitor that? I mean, how do you, so I understand like when you open up a city based on a percentage of the population being vaccinated, but how do you like decide to say only vaccinated individuals can come in? Like, can oh, you do no, that? No, no. Is that a thing? No, it's it's not only. Do you, like, do you get like a special bracelet or something where it's yeah. like, you know, you go into the magic <laughs> kingdom like and you've got the magic bracelet that gets you, it gets you, it gets you into all of the parks. <laughs> like I've got the magic kingdom. I've got the Epcot. I've got, I've got the I've bracelet got the, that allows all, all like, is that No, it's, it's not that they <laughs> yeah. don't let you in. It's that if you're vaccinated, they don't require you to wear a mask in these public areas versus how do you know if someone's being honest? That in fabulous question. You don't. I mean, you, you don't. You don't. I mean, it's and, and I'm vaccinated. I, I really? don't need to subscribe no. or say that one system is better than another. It's just kind of interesting, like right. the how different cities is. are interpreting some of this. I will say in Albuquerque, when we were there, there everything was completely shut down until a week ago. So now things really? are starting to slowly open back up. And this we, we wanted to go and like experience some of the nightlife and get like some cocktails at like some cute bars and whatever. Yeah. Well, where we were, we were like near Old Town, New, uh, Albuquerque, and there were only like three bars that were open and there were lines like around Ooh. the building. And it's like, I'm, I'm one of those people like I, no I don't way. need to like wait in this line to get into this bar. Like we bought a bottle of wine back at the hotel room. I was like, we can turn on a league of their own. And drink our own wine back at the hotel. Right. <laughs> so, but, it, you know, right. just interesting, like that you can tell this, that city is just so ready to open back up versus, for example, Phoenix, where a lot of these restaurants have been opened, but there isn't any signage saying, hey, this person doesn't have to wear a mask, but this person does. Um, it's just if you stand up and leave your table, you have to wear a mask type thing. So it's, it, it is, it's very right. interesting, the, the interpretations. Who knows? Um, you know, I think society is just really trying to get back to normal because I think one of the things that we forget, and I've, I've heard a couple of doctors actually say this, uh, medical doctors, that COVID isn't the only disease that we need to be concerned about here. Like now there are concerns right. about mental health, um, you know, because of what these shutdowns have done to to the community, to our society. And so, um, you know, yeah, we're absolutely concerned about that. But to be able to get people back together, I think is really important. We're pack animals. Human beings are. They need we need to have that connection for the most part. So um, it's kind of good Agreed. to see. So. So speaking of pack animals and human connection, I have a, an official sad announcement that I what? have to make. So um, as some of you know, and as some of our listeners know, uh, I was very fortunate to be invited to speak at RDH Under One Roof this year. Um, in, um, and unfortunately because of our restrictions, I've had to officially withdraw, which kind of makes me sad because, you know, there were people that were registered for the course that like follow me yeah. on social media and you listening to the episode, you, you may also have registered for my course and it really hurts my heart because I mean, tell me what you would have done. So, um, to me, for me to be able to travel for a non-essential work or non-essential travel right now, um, on my way in, I have to quarantine for two weeks. So the first three days of quarantine have to happen in a, a government-approved hotel, oh. which is within the vicinity of the airport. And you have to quarantine there for three days. Um, and if you exhibit no signs or symptoms, then you get exempt from staying there for the full two weeks and you get to go home in quarantine. 
And then everyone in your household, including you, and like the goal is for you to quarantine in your household away from anyone else. Uh, but then you'd have to quarantine the remainder of the 14 days in your house, which for me, that would mean no three days in a hotel. And the hotel, the hotel rooms are like ridiculously expensive. It's like they're jacking up the fees mm. almost. But I don't know. There's some people that say that you can get them paid for somehow. Like you submit your receipts or like there's a government subsidy of some mm. kind. I don't know. I haven't really qualified for many of the government subsidies being like a new business owner and like self-employed because I don't have like a, a regular wage that I claim. Um, but anyway, so I would have had to like live in this $1,000 for three days hotel um, mm. and then quarantine at home for the remainder of the 14 days. So, you know, it took some time. It took me like a week and a half of like deliberating mm. to decide whether or not um you know, it'd be a significant financial burden as much as I'd love to see everyone yeah. and you. I miss your face I miss like in you. real life. I know. Um, yeah. So I'm sorry, Irene. So I'm sorry to the peeps that are listening that are disappointed. And I like people message me on Instagram saying that they were disappointed. And I'm like, I'm sorry that yeah. I'm disappointing you and also because of COVID. But like you're not disappointing anybody. It's not it's not you. And you know that. And and anybody listening, like we we know it's not you disappointing anybody. It's we're very sad, but Irene, th know that that just means it's going to be even more glorious when we do get to see you, when the United States gets to grace itself with your glorious presence. Whenever that may be. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I know. Anyways. I'm sad. I'm sorry that I disappointed you peeps. You're not disappointed. Sorry about we that. understand. Okay. So I'm well, super stoked. Anywho, we stoked. have an episode. We do. We have an, we episode. Have an episode. Are you ready? I'm ready. I have a song for you. Okay, okay she's here frozen we go. Ready? again. song i know? don't rightly I, I what i heard was joy to the world so my guess is gonna be that what you're singing about is the yep. fabulous joy rescue am i spot on or no tell me you want to know you were spot on oh my gosh. you were spot on we did we it. talked to the the queen herself of lasers joy rasky who is really She's fun. Amazing. Um, I've never met her in real life. You've worked quite a bit with her. I mean, we get into that in the episode, so I don't have to yeah. talk your ears off for that. Um, so here is our friend Joy Rasky. Enjoy this episode. And I also was today's years old when I realized that at the beginning of our introductions, we say, welcome back to the Tooth or Dare podcast. And then at the beginning of the interview, we also say, at, welcome back to the Tooth or Dare podcast. Say we, you say it, sister. I that say it. You rock so I feel too. like I feel like next episode... Uh, you will only hear it once of the Welcome Back to the Tooth or Dare podcast. So we'll, we'll keep have to you. Find we'll, another way to we'll introduce find it. Find another way to introduce Yeah, we'll figure it out. Okay, <laughs> well, we'll catch you on the flip side. <laughs> on the flippity flip. And welcome back to another episode of the Tooth or Dare podcast, Peeps, with your peeps, Irene and Katrina. Hey, friend. 
and and doggo sitting in the back this just Darby, just, yeah. just Jarby peering over his shoulder and <laughs> he's just disgust with me he just he looks over when we start recording and then he just like he's like oh it's irene again and then he just like yeah. looks away he's like i can't it's with her canadian oh <laughs> um how are you friend um i'm good H- how are you today and most mostly i want to know how's how's the best life treating you oh i'm living my best sun yeah. tan life i uh sun tan tan is tan a life strong word okay yeah strong word yeah i mean i, I i'm i'm a little burnt in in the shape of like half of the continent burn, of asia Irene, burn burn <laughs> but i mean Irene red is the burn. color right it's better than the the feta cheese ricotta cheese burrata cheese white that i was mm-hmm. um prior to mm-hmm. this weekend but yeah sunscreen failed me i used that like spray sunscreen and i was under the impression oh. that it was like spraying evenly but i guess it sprayed everywhere except in the vicinity of my head and neck region um oh. and and therefore i am i am the woman that you are seeing you are beholding today you are the most beautiful <laughs> lobster i've ever seen Oh, but am I the tastiest? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, so we've got a guest. I know. I'm waiting so in the background. Who is, who is, who is wondering who is this lobster on the other side? I thought I was being interviewed by <laughs> Irene. Um, we've got a very cool person who, you know, better than I do. I know yes. we like, you know, the world, so like the speaker KOL Insta world, but we've never met in real life. So welcome to the podcast, Madam Joy Rasky. Woo-woo. Hey guys, thanks for having me. How is it going? Are you living your best life? I am totally living my best life. I have so many questions for you. So Joy (laughs) is the CEO of a company called Advanced Dental Hygiene. You've written like a million different articles. You've done a lot of really cool lectures. And and my my focus today, a lot of the questions I'm going to have for you is related to lasers, because I know you are like the laser queen. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, yeah, so your your accolades are amazing and all of those fun facts about joy are linked in the description below if you want to know articles that she's written or places where you can attend some of her lectures or other audio mediums that she's been on um you've talked quite a bit about um just kind of your path in dental hygiene and where you are today and how lasers and in general perio has come into to play and i know you and katrina have done some stuff together too the ultimate perio symposium um Mm -hmm. She's a cool, she's a cool cat, Irene. And Where do you know, we begin? one of the things that I love about Joy, and, and we're going to kind of learn about this throughout the episode today, is about this amazing self-made woman that she is and all of the incredible things that she's done to set up a very niche, very structured business around helping uh, empower dental practices to use the laser and use it the right way. And so um, I'm really excited for you guys to get to know Joy a lot more because I've certainly had a, an esteemed opportunity to get to know her very well uh, as we build out content together. You know, that's like when you collab with somebody and you start to figure out their <laughs> their little ticks. So um, yeah. Joy is just a joy to work with. So welcome to the podcast. Aww, was there a pun intended? There was actually not, but <laughs> there it is. Um, so Irene, do the thing, do the thing. Oh, okay. So we do this thing, um, Joy, where... I mean, we all can easily see the things that you're doing today, right? We can like tune into your Instagram account, which you have too. Um, we can like check out your website and obviously the Google search works really well. But I always like to know a little bit more about the person or the human before I get to interview them about, um, about, about, about. like what, what, 
where did, how did you get to where you are today? So let's like, take me back to like pre-hygiene days, like pre-high school. I mean, like, do you remember what it was like when you were born? Like how far back can we go comfortably? Um, like, let's like take, what kind of child were you? Like, what were you like as a little human? Like, did you throw spaghetti all over the place? Or were you the one that was like putting the toys away after you played? Like, who were you as a child that led to you being the person that you are today? I will tell you, I see myself, I have a two and a half year old and I see myself in her and she aggravates me. <laughs> I was a pistol. I think I was. I gave my mom hell. And, um, you know, I was just stubborn. I want it my way. If it doesn't get done my way, I will like pave the path to make it happen. So um, I grew up in Iowa in a town of 400 people. So a lot of people don't know that. Yeah. I went to high school and graduated with 175. I went to Hawkeye Community College and did a year undergrad and got right into dental hygiene. And a lot of other people also don't know this, that I graduated hygiene school with another huge KOL, Emily Bogey. So we were classmates. Mm, No way. Yeah. So that was really fun. And we love Emily. uh, we Emily, if you're listening, Emily. we love you. We love you, Bogey. So okay. wait, hold on. But before we before we dive yeah, we, into we, this, we did we did the whole like you did 20 years kid. of your life in, in yeah. one yeah. breath. Yeah. So like, what so were you like about in your high daughter? school? Yeah. Were, you, were you like were you a band geek? Did you like were you the on thing. the debate no, team? You do the thing, okay, what do you right, think right, she right, was I'm like? You do your you do your thing. Okay. Yeah. You do you you do your thing. So I'm guessing that if I were friends with Joy Rasky in high school, um, Joy, I feel like you played um tennis in the fall. Don't tell um, her the answer though. You gotta wait to the very end. The backstroke <laughs> in the spring. You're a backstroke swimmer. And um, you also were a member of the Future Farmers of America. How am I? I, Am I okay? Am I close? I feel like she was like, she had like a souped up Honda Civic. Like, I feel like she was dating a guy that that was into like modifying his car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Souped up Honda Civic or like, yeah, or or like had a truck with big wheels. And she was like dating the like, he must have been a captain of some sort. Yeah. But like he would, and he was like a couple of years older. So he would drop her off at school in his like fancy pants car. I feel like that. Okay, I, I don't think she was in the band. Who's closer? I was not in the band. I was a volleyball player. I was okay. our defensive specialist because everything I do, I have to be the best at. So okay. I was our back row little defensive specialist. And I was that girl that was friends with everybody, like the popular kids that were all in the sports. And then I was friends with, you know, some of the geeky kids. My husband's a geek, so I love, you know, nerdy people. <laughs> and then I just had a few really close friends we like to party. So in Iowa, there's not a lot to do. So on our weekends, we in high school, we would go and drink beers and go hang out in like cornfields and (laughs) and keggers. Would you say that you would throw a ruckus party? (laughs) We would throw a ruckus. Yes. I would get into into trouble. And then, uh, you know, when I got caught, 
drinking. Obviously, oh, that was yeah. a no-no. So then I would go to the parties and not drink. So I would oh, want to go okay. hang out and be cool, but I wouldn't drink just in case, like, I didn't want to get into trouble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you party with Bogey? Like, did you know uh, Bogey before hygiene school? We did not, but she was living. Literally a fifth about in a town 15 minutes away. Oh, so wow. Bogey was very straight laced in hygiene yeah. school, I feel, or she kept it from everybody. And she was <laughs> that's a, probably more accurate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. she she yeah. was straight A everything. And I'm like, can I study last minute till 5 a.m. and ace that test and then go out and you know go out with my friends after? <laughs> yeah. Interesting. So what so what made you want to is that what you're going to say? Yeah, yeah, like, what yeah. made you, what made you want to, we could just like connect our ponytails and be one person. Let's ask her together. Three, yeah. two, one. What, what made, made you, you want to get into, into hygiene? hygiene school? <laughs> so, uh, I really like dental. I, I was a kid that never even had a cavity up until probably two years ago. <laughs> and really? I, I, yeah, I had braces for four years. Um, I just kept having to go to the dentist and it wasn't a pleasurable experience. And I honestly, in my world thought, I want to be able to produce my own living so I don't have to live off a man because I've always been so independent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So hygiene, I felt like, you know what? I could build my own life. And if I wanted to be a mom, I could work two or three days a week. And hopefully my husband could, you know, pick up the other days and you can do that as a hygienist. I actually didn't want to be my own boss. I was like, oh, being a dentist and I have to go to school for eight years and then I have to run everything. But I think once you get into the dental world, you realize maybe you do want to run everything. Sure. Sure. (laughs) Until you ask. (laughs) Irene this week might have a different answer. (laughs) Yep. So So, you get get into hygiene school. Um, What was it like? Because I, I, I mean, you, you obviously researched the profession before you, you know, got into hygiene school, you get into hygiene school. What was it like for you being in hygiene school? It sounds like you were kind of like the, you weren't the Emily bogey in the front row with your like sticky notepads. <laughs> you were, you were kind of like the, the, the cool girl, the cool kid. I the cool researched kid. the best school and the best school. And I never thought to go out of state. The best school in Iowa was Hawkeye where Emily actually runs the program now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I wanted to get into that specific school. And then everything always came easy to me. I just was one of those nerdy kids that could, I like science. I could ace test without having to put much effort into it. So when I got into hygiene school, it was like a rude awakening, like, this doesn't come easily, like the histology of teeth, like how they develop in these little buds. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to study. Like I have to read the books and study. And it was harder than I thought, but Mm -hmm. luckily, you know, I passed with flying colors and, you know, I loved hygiene school. I loved all the girls. How long have you been practicing for? When did you graduate? 2003. 2003. Okay. Years. Crazy. Wow. Isn't it this crazy how fast time goes by? I know. Katrina and I just hit 15. We, we like hit our anniversary like a month apart. You just hit 15 this 14. month, right? 14. I hit 14. Wait, you graduated in what year? 07. Oh, so I also hit 14. Oops. We're all We don't do math very well. We can only count to 32. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but it's just like crazy how fast time goes I by. Know. It's crazy. It's really crazy. So, so, okay. So you graduate from dental hygiene school. You're in Iowa. 
Did you practice in Iowa ever or? Never. I graduated when I was 21 years old and I was like, you know what? I want to get out of Iowa. I was heck hell bent. Can I say that? Yeah. Not marry a farmer. So I moved to Colorado all by myself. My mom moved me out there. We were driving there. Literally, we drove into Colorado and one of those tumbleweeds come across the road. And I was oh like, my gosh. mom, I came here to go skiing. Like I moved to Texas. Like I don't understand. <laughs> But we got to Denver and I just moved there all by myself and opened up the yellow book to send my resume and call people up because that's what you did, I guess, in 2003. And I found a job and my first job was um, for perfect teeth. It's kind of, I did high, uh, what do they call that? Assisted hygiene only for six Mm. months. So I felt like I just was thrown in my first page. My first day was 16 patients. Like, oh my God, what did I Oh my gosh. <laughs> and you're used to like taking 16 appointments to treat one patient in hygiene school. So you're like, yeah. oh, where's my six hours? Now I have like 30 minutes. <laughs> so then what I got did, Okay, of- let's talk about that for a minute. What does, okay. what did assistant hygiene look like for you? So what, what do you I, remember? I mean, it was forever ago, it seems, but like, I'm sure there are days where like, oh my God, this is ingrained in my life forever. Like what, what gets what ingrained does assist- in your brain? Yeah. What does assisted hygiene look like? So the cool part is that you have an assistant, which was the, the best thing ever. So you have two patients an hour and your assistant will polish them, uh, check their health history. They do uh, x-rays. They do everything but ultrasonic and scaling. So you are literally just ultrasonic and scaling every single patient Mm -hmm. and probing every patient. And you just have to get done. If you have an SRP, they're an hour and a half. And somehow in that hour and a half, you have to go over and do a profi. (laughs) Yeah. You have to like anesthetize the patient. And then while the patient is marinating with their anesthetic, you're like in, and it's kind of weird because you're in the operatory next door. Like the patient can clearly hear you. Like, and we're going to let that sit and I'll be right back. And then they hear your same voice like, hello, I'm Joy. I'm Joy. I'll be your hygienist today in the room next door. It's not it is weird for patients. Like that's not a very common thing. I'm in Canada. So oh. like assisted hygiene is a thing here, but it's not as much of a thing here as it is in the United States of America. So it's super common feel, in the US. How do patients feel about that? They don't know the difference. I remember a patient's like, really? I was going to be quitting. And she's like, are you going to be here for a while? What do you say? I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you can try requesting me next time and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Joy is right. It, it is interesting. The culture, the patients that go through to an office like that, that's what they're used to every six yeah. months when they go in for their hygiene visits. So they really don't know the difference until they maybe go to a different office and then they experience a hygienist with them for a full hour. And it's, um, but, but I, I, did you get a lot of comments from patients, Joy? Like, Oh, where are you going? Oh, I've been sitting here for a while. Yeah, it's interesting. There's always somebody like touching them. Like you have my assistant taking their x-rays. Like it's a great flow. It's always that someone touching them. Someone's (laughs) always touching me. (laughs) There was, I remember a dentist though, that would, um, he wore jeans and he just smoked cigarettes and he would put on his scrubs when he came in and it smelled so bad. Yeah, it was awful. But then next to it was, a next to him was another, 
another guy that was young and cute. And I was always like, will you come to my operatory, please? <laughs> you, you want the cute doctor, not the gross one? Man, yeah, I, I was in a dental one. office where between patients, they would go to the back and like, there was like a door that exited the back door to like an alleyway. So they would like open up the back door and they would smoke cigarettes. And my op was the last op before that like exit. So I remember smelling cigarettes all day long because they would always leave the door like a crack open so that they didn't need sure. a key to get back in because it would like automatically lock. So just remember like, I need to check. I wonder where the dock is. And I'd be like, sniff the air. Yeah. And like, things sticking your oh, head out yeah. when you're done with she's your having, cigarette. She's, she's having you? a cigarette. And like, my mom would be my next patient. And I'd be like, my mom is 10 minutes late. Like, what is happening? And then I could smell. I'm like, oh, the dock is having a cigarette with my mom in the back area. Like, oh, oh I know where no. she is. Yeah, parents. Parents, <laughs> parents and their smoking habits just drive me nuts. But I mean, that, that, that was like the norm back then. Like, people yeah. didn't care. They would hack a dart between patients sometimes yeah. even in the office like they would have like a private yes, office yeah. and smoke a cigarette in their private office kind of crazy isn't it crazy how, look how far we've come peeps i know look how far I know. okay so then that happened and how did you now become the joy you are today so after your move after leaving iowa um what inspired you to start teaching and educating like where did that life begin so after that office, I went to another office and he ended up work, um, working at the dental school. His name was Dr. Brown. After I left, he sold his practice was to his Dr. First name White. Charlie? Was no. Charlie? Okay, Brown? I no. can't. Charlie Brown. Right. Okay, no, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I digress. <laughs> I, oh, they, I, that's where I had a mentor where there was another hygienist. She had been practicing literally as long as I'd been alive. I was 22 then. So she really mentored me and I'm very grateful for her. Her name was Betty. She's retired, no longer practicing. Oh, Betty office, Boo. Put Betty. Charlie Brown. Like this <laughs> is just the best I episode ever. Everybody be a cartoon character. <laughs> But they had a spit cup and I did not know what that was. And everyone made fun of me because I said, I also don't oh, know what that what is. is. It's like the spittoon thing. You, they would sit, a, a patient would be laying down. They would have to spit. They want to, they don't want you to suction them. They sit up, do crunches and spit out into In a, a little, into, no, this thing that sits next to on your operatory. Yeah. Got like and a drain. Just, a drain. And it I've just, seen yeah. little cones that go on your HVE and then they can spit into the little, like, it looks like one of those like frozen ice, uh, where the, the, you know, okay. the ice cube ice cream where they put the, like, it's just ice cubes and then they put the flavoring on top. And what are those called? Those are I don't called? know, Eric. We know what those no, are called. Snow Everyone cones. can envision snow it. It's like a snow, snow cone. cone. Yeah. So yeah. I've seen the where people like stick the HVE underneath the snow cone cup and then they spit in the snow. Is that what or is that, or is okay. it different? It's a bowl <laughs> that you like literally spit out. And then I also had nitrous at that office and I was like, okay, wow, let's get everybody on nitrous. And the chairs were orange. It literally looked like a practice from the 70s. Wow. So then I heard I put my name in at, it's called assistance on call. They would find permanent placement. They would send me on job interviews. One dentist wasn't wearing gloves. And this is in like 2004. Oh no. Okay. I went to an office that I did my own x-rays, like a dip tank. So we also oh, had those. I literally I remember those. Colorado wow. behind sometimes. 
But anyways, then she sent me to a really great office that was my home for many, many years. And the doctor told her, I want to find a hygienist that's very health conscious that, you know, I'm not saying they have to do triathlons. I was doing triathlons and Ironmans. I came in at 23. He hired me in 2005 and I worked for him for 12 years up until I left to literally go teach laser all the time. So he was my mentor, a really great a guy that's been practicing, I don't know, by now, probably 40 years. And he really taught me about perio. I was previously working for the 1970s dentist, Dr. Brown and Betty, and I would have to convince them why somebody with six millimeter pockets needed SRP. And the you had doctor, to convince the doctors of that? Yes. And Holy I was Mueller. the only one that did SRP because she only wanted to, she was wonderful, but really liked her six, seven scalar. And that would go everywhere in the mouth. Yeah. And she didn't really know, like doing the curettes. And that was just her. She did a great job, but loved scaling. And people- Wait, so- so can we can we pause there because yes. a great job with that one scaler <laughs> she's that's just only got meant for like thirty mm-hmm. percent never of sharpened. the mouth. <laughs> um, so so this is really important because quite honestly, you know, based on some of the things that I hear quite a bit on the speaking circuit, I'm sure you hear this a lot, Joy. Um, you know, there that is a relatively more common than you'd think in yeah. a lot of practices where hygienists get in and they've been taught this way in hygiene school. This is when you start, you know, pull the trigger with perio treatment and then they get into clinical practice. And in all states, with the exception of Colorado, hygienists cannot technically diagnose. So we do have to lean on the doctor to be the ones to diagnose the disease process and then, you know, make the prescriptive SRP. So what are some things that you did that were helpful to start moving the needle with that particular doctor in helping them understand why you need to do scaling and root cleaning on these patients. Sometimes I would just talk about the bleeding and he said on certain patients that I could try to get them to come in more frequently. So that was one Mm -hmm. thing that I tried to switch everybody to three or four months. Hey, could we just do one more cleaning a year? You have some deeper areas. I could try to get them on electric toothbrush and water pick. You know, I just said, hey, can I talk to them about SRP? And they would, well, if the patient will actually let you do it. And so I would just do one patient at a time. Can we, you know, can we do a deeper cleaning under the gums? I don't know what happened with the previous years with the other hygienists. Before I came there, they had a hygienist there for 30 years. And I think that they just, her and Betty got in their groove and they were just fine with letting the patients do their thing every six months and they were too busy to have SRPs in there. So Mm -hmm. I just tried to do the really bad ones first. And I told Betty, if she has any, she can just put them in my chair. I didn't mind. So that's good. Did you, at a certain point, it sounds like you, okay. So you started with the more involved and more diseased patients and you demonstrated to the doctor that, hey, these patients are going to, they do want to listen. They are going to accept the treatment. They're not going to become combative and upset because I think that's probably the concern of the doctor, right? Is that, oh, we have this new, you know, not as seasoned hygienist come in. Now she's wanting to pull the trigger on SRPs for all these patients. They're going to get scared. They're going to get upset. They're going to leave the practice, right? That's, that's what a lot of doctors think, right? Yes. That's, that's a, mm-hmm. It's a fear-based model. It's, in my opinion, not a patient-centric model because 
it's like, oh, your fear is more concerning to you than doing the right thing for the patient, which I don't, I never went to school believing that that was an acceptable practice. So it sounds and like I don't what you think do. dentists feel that way too, from the beginning. I think that is a problem that starts to arise when shit hits the fan in your practice. Hmm. And I'm learning this now. And I'm like, when I first opened my office, I think I dismissed seven patients in the first two months. Like you're not and, the and right fit for our office. Like, like dismiss them. Philosophy, like their perception of health, you mean, was not yeah, alignment with like what you Yeah, like a patient okay. would come in and they would say, <laughs> I only want this. I only want my insurance is covering. I only mm-hmm. want whatever, dictating what treatment is. And in my mind, as a new business owner and as a hygienist, you know, my immediate response is, well, I'm not comfortable in providing that treatment for you. The only treatment I am comfortable in providing the comprehensive treatment. So, you know, formal letter, these are our recommendations. Mm -hmm. If you don't think that you would like to accept these recommendations, then I think you should find another provider because we're not a good fit. It's like a relationship, right? It's like good on paper and then we break up. But as you start to like uh, build your practice, you be you have less and less time to deal with each one of those individual patients. So I feel mm. like I, I understand now what docs go through. They don't want to sure. rock the boat because rocking the boat means they're you're taking away from your available brain space to run your practice, mm. to now mm-hmm. have to manage patients and manage team members and then team members and then manage expectations. It's a really weird, fine line. Like it's a strange, fine line to try and balance. And unless you're in it, you don't get it. I feel like I try and explain things to my friends and they're like, Oh, it'll be fine. And it's like, it's, it won't be fine. Like it's not fine. Yeah. How, how have you guys make, you guys both consult on this kind of stuff. Like Joy, you talk, and I want to like get into the lasers portion and the perio portion of our chat today. How do you find that when you teach a team member a new thing, like, you know, incorporating SRPs into an established practice or incorporating a new form of laser therapy that perhaps wasn't done before? Doc was using their laser for phrenectomies, gingival margin recontouring around a restorative procedure, but now the hygienist wants to try the laser out for perio. How do you find that that conversation happens with someone that's trying to incorporate something new for the first time? Well, even at that practice, even at 22 years old, I always fully believed in gum disease, perio. I need to help all these patients. So the really bad ones, I would just be, and this is still what I teach and what I've done for the last 18 years. I'm just confident. I would look him in the eye and tell him what I see. And if they ever looked at me and said, well, I don't really want that. I would make my notes and say, I'll do your cleaning today, but will you at least try to incorporate the electric toothbrush or the water pick? Like all you can do is tell them as long. My goal was to start building trust with these patients and they would come in again. I would talk to them about their perio and I would just slowly try to transition. Even when I go in temp in an office, if I never am going to see them, that patient again, I'm still going to tell them what I wholeheartedly believe. And if you're sincere and you can hear it in your voice and I look them in the eye and I tell them, this is what you need. This is what I see. I'll show them the mirror. If they trust you, they're just going to do it. And that's what Katrina probably teaches with her perio. That's what I teach with the laser. Most of the time, if you have them sitting up, you're confident and you believe in it yourself like you truly believe in it, that'll be conveyed to them. And Hey, like I tell patients, I'm like, you, 
the day I stop recommending something to you is the day I stop caring. I'm like, I mm. only recommend this because I care. I go, you can totally tell me, no, it's not going to hurt my feelings. It's just because I care about you and I can't stop caring. And that's the hard part of when you work in some of these offices where the doc doesn't maybe believe in you, you care so much. It's very hard to let go. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Katrina, what yeah. do you think? Yeah, I'm I'm super in alignment with that. In fact, I think one of the biggest sources of burnout for hygienists is when our core values are not being respected in a practice and then our integrity is being questioned. So it 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 goes back to what you were saying, Joy. We're taught, for example, early on, this is the standard of excellence. This is what we should be doing. And we know that in, in our heart of hearts. I mean, I could, I speak on Perry all the time as do you joy. And, and Irene, I know you've got some incredible programs too. It, it would be silly for me to stand in front of our colleagues and say, we need to perio chart our patients. Like, duh, we know we need to. The problem is there's more to it than that. We don't have time to comprehensively perio chart our patients. Our patients show up late. We don't have an assistant. We don't have the software. We don't have whatever that is, right? You're in a double column hygiene situation. We've got an assistant, your ship's passing in the night. The problem for a lot of hygienists, in my opinion, is that when that burnout occurs, it's due to the fact that we're doing things beyond or substandard of what it is that we know that we should be doing for our patients. And we are empathetic providers. The, The biggest burden for us is that we really do care. And so when we're performing substandard care on our patients, it really does pull our integrity into question. I have to come home at the end of every day and rest my head on that pillow, feeling good about what I did. So when we, you start to talk about informed refusal and some of the challenges of onboarding patients, I think a lot of this is, to your point, Joy, letting them know that I care about you. I tell this to my patients all the time. My practice philosophy is I treat every patient in my chair like a member of my family that I like. And that's that I, I continually say that over and over and over again, because it's true. If you were my father, if you're my mother, if you're my brother, this is the treatment that I would be doing on you. Although if you were my brother, I would just say, shut up, open your mouth. I'm doing this treatment on you. <laughs> like you would, you don't have an option because you're my brother and this is just what I'm doing. But you know, the idea being, I do care. Um, I, there's one um, d- departure from what you said, Joy, that I've started to incorporate in, in my clinical practice. And I did this early on. And that is if a patient wants to decline their perio treatment with me, um, I made an agreement with all the doctors that I work with that I will not provide a prophylaxis. Um, instead, I have a dialogue with that patient and I sit down with them eye to eye, knee to knee. And I say, I understand that you, you know, are unable to have this treatment done. Um, you know, I understand it's finances. I think many of us can agree most of the time it's a financial thing for most patients. If it's a fear thing, I'm scared of the needle or whatever. We've got, we got plenty of drugs, right? Um, right. So the, the conversation is if you're, if, if, if it's a financial thing, um, the reality is, you know, at the end of the day, if you're able to afford it or not, the bacteria in your mouth don't care about what your insurance does or does not cover the family history you have of stroke, heart disease, upper respiratory tract infection, certain types of cancers. The fact that both of your parents were in full dentures by the time they were 30, like, you know, your dental insurance, right, wrong, or indifferent, doesn't look at any of that. Um, And so respectfully, the challenge for me now is I have to look at all of these risk factors. I have to see the infection in your mouth and I cannot provide a substandard level of care. There are concerns that if I don't thoroughly remove all of the debris in your mouth that I could create abscesses. I could introduce that bacteria deeper into your ligament space. 
I could cause more harm than good. Um, at the end of the day, you do have this infection. And if I cannot be the one to treat it, somebody still needs to. So if money's a concern for you, um, I'd like to refer you to a local dental or dental hygiene school where a dental or dental hygiene student will work on you. It will take many hours, but you will receive comprehensive care under the observation of a faculty member. And I will tell you, um, and I, and I conclude with this after you've had that treatment done, come back and see me and we will continue to maintain it. Because at the end of the day, Joy, you mentioned it and you're absolutely right. It's about trust. And if we cannot get our patients to trust us, that's where they start to question some of our treatment modalities. And for me, I found that the moment that my patient needed an advanced treatment and then they couldn't do it or wouldn't do it or financially had no interest in doing it, then I'm saying, okay, sign here and then I'll do your regular cleaning that you came in for and you asked for that then patients begin to think that they like haggled us down. You know what I mean? They right. have and control. I, yeah. <laughs> right. and, and they have the, the autonomy to decide, but to Irene's point, we as providers have the autonomy to decide if I'm going to put my name on your record stating, absolutely. I, I was, ex- I was okay. I found it acceptable to be able to perform this substandard level of care for you. So I, um, I, I think in all many hygienists, I think can agree with this. We work very hard for a license. I'd like to hang on to mine. Um, yeah. and so for me, um, it, it's not worth it to perform a profi on this patient because they, you know, and I, I don't mean to be crude about it, but for the most part, the biggest issue, and I've said this in rooms of, for hygienists for years, don't you feel like we've been competing with that new Louis Vuitton bag, or we've been competing mm-hmm. with that new Tesla. We've been competing with that family trip to Disneyland. Like our patients can't, for the most part, can pay for it. They right. choose not to. And that goes back to value. That goes back to our dialogue. So when I have that conversation with my patients, it's about if, if I can't be the one, I'm not, I'm not here to get your money. I'm here to perform the treatment that you need. And if I can't do it, please let somebody else do it because you really do have a concerning infection in your mouth. That's what the, that. the new, when I went to the new, the, my boss, the mentor, that's mm-hmm. what he taught me. He goes, Joy, it's all about trust. He goes, if the patient trusts you, they will do it. And we did, we did exactly. He taught me if they don't want to do it, they can go to another office. Yeah. Yeah. You that's tell so them what great. they need. Mm-hmm. That's so, yeah. such a great thing to have a doctor. And I know Irene's a practice owner that absolutely emulates that it's huge to make sure that when you're working with somebody that you are aligned in your practice philosophy in that way. That's a long time to build that confidence though. So like for the new grads that are listening and I mean, you don't even have to be a new grad to not be that confident in having these Mm -hmm. types of like stand line in the sand type of conversation. It's like, I don't feel comfortable. Like saying those words, I don't feel comfortable allowed to a patient. Like that's a big deal. So it does take some time. And, um, I think hearing people like the two of you, like, like you joy and you Katrina, like saying the stuff aloud might make someone's drive to work feel a little bit more like I can do this today. Like I can can. say no Mm -hmm. to that person (laughs) that is coming in for a quote unquote, just a cleaning, Mm -hmm. uh, and like already planned out the mint polish at the end that really has like generalized four to six millimeter pockets with edematous tissue. Like you could have that conversation. It just takes, you know, it takes the first time. Like it's always like the first time is the hardest and then you do it a second and then you do it a third. And then eventually like you could treat it, it becomes a rehearsed dance. It's like a mm-hmm, choreographed mm-hmm. dance of like, I already know the spiel. 
Mm-hmm. Like insert violin music here as I say, like Mullen, like the little mouse from Ratatouille is like yeah. sitting on your shoulder and he's got his chef hat on and he's just playing the violin as Katrina's like declining treatment to this patient. I, I feel like it takes some time for that to happen until you can actually envision the little mouse. on. Like now I can envision the mouse on my shoulder. Like the next time I do yeah. this, Katrina, I'm going to emulate you with the little, little guy. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I'm so proud of you. Let's talk laser. Let's Let's talk all things laser. Let's talk laser. Can I do one thing? It also, um, just to end that, it's not just about the doctor. Sometimes if the front desk or assistants or other people in your office don't believe in what you're doing, Mm -hmm. I'll get done doing an SRP and they'll go up there and they're like, they might look or appear young or beautiful and... I've had where the front desk doesn't believe in what I did. Oh, well, let me just downgrade that. And she just worked on you a little extra longer, but let me just charge you like a full mouth to prime it or something. I'm like, oh, you know what I just did. So sometimes just getting the entire office to understand what you're doing so that everybody believes in it, not just the dentist and the hygienist, but the assistants in the front desk. So I feel like Emily Bogey said something when she was on our episode and she used she used her like Iowa farm talk and she said something about like an SRP. Sorry, a profi on someone that needs SRP is like putting lipstick on a pig. Yes. (laughs) Do you remember that? And I was like, I die. I die every time I think I think about it. You're right. You're right. It's like and then I think that always leads back to the importance of having like team dialogue and conversation. And even if that's for five minutes at the beginning of the day, you'd be surprised how many people don't do team huddles. So they're like, oh yeah, our huddles suck. Like no one ever does them anymore. We didn't Mm -hmm. get any resolution. But it's because those team huddles weren't choreographed. Like no one was spending the time to put together what you're being, what you're going to talk about. So that would be a great time for you, you know, as a hygienist to say, so you're going to see my 3 p.m. patient. She's going to come in with her Louis Vuitton bag and her Louis Mm -hmm, Vuitton mm -hmm. shoes. And she's going to be decked out from head to toe. She's probably going to apply her designer lipstick just before I do an SRP on her entire mouth. Like here are the photos and the x-rays. Like don't like don't diminish the fact that like this is a serious procedure that she's having done or he's having done or whatever. Yeah. Um, Yeah. 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 Talk to me about lasers. How many different types of lasers have you used? And I know I don't want to get into like the favoritism of lasers, but which which lasers? I just got a new laser. Okay, so like back backstory. Okay. Um, Irene circa 2007 did her first laser course in Buffalo, New York, because it wasn't passed here in Canada. So I had to drive over the border to do my first course. And it was back in the day when Ivoclar had their lasers. So I learned how to use an Ivoclar laser and I came back and that I was, was my original laser. laser so, yeah, I feel yeah. like it was everyone's original laser because it was like one of the mm-hmm. first lasers that you had. So if you didn't have an Ivoclar yeah. laser, I don't know what you were using, but we were all using them because that's all that, that we could get our hands on at the time. Yeah. So Irene was using her Ivoclar laser and then she fell in love with it. She was using it for like 10 years. And then Irene left private practice and decided to open up her own office. And I just got a Serona laser. Like I was the first, I'm the first office in Canada to have the Serona blue laser. And I'm trying to teach my team how to use it because there's no training right now. Thanks to COVID, like everything's all shut down. So those are the only two lasers I have ever used in my entire private practice life. And I know that there are so many others out there. Um, 
Is there a difference between a laser and a laser aside from the technology and the interface and the way that it looks? Um, what, what do you know to be different between like a variety of different types of lasers? And it's like, we don't, you're mostly talking about diodes and you have yeah, two of the best. Diodes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 So if we're just going to kind of talk about diodes, you could look at what do you want to get it for? Because now they make straight up hygiene lasers that are more cost effective so that you can get, let's say there's four hygienists in a practice and you're all trying to do a bacterial reduction, but you all probe at the same time and Mm -hmm. scale. Well, can you all use the laser all for five minutes at the beginning of the appointment? No. No. Unless you cater out your day like 8, 8.15, 8.30. No one does that. No one starts a patient. Right. And then nothing ever works perfectly either. No. Yeah. Yeah. Patient shows up 15 minutes late and that's it. You're done. Yeah. So some lasers, you know, just for hygiene. And so they have, like, you turn them on, it says, oh, gingivitis or pocket therapy. So it's very easy for hygienists to use them. They're usually colored pink and purple, which is always a bonus, in my opinion, as I'm wearing <laughs> pink today. Uh, and then there's some lasers that do whitening. So if, as a hygienist, some I love to break up my day and do laser whitening. That's like an hour that I'm not like scaling and I'm just, I what get to just. What does that mean? What does, what does, what does, cause you have, people come in all the time and they ask for laser whitening and I immediately yes. think, okay, they're asking for zoom or they're asking, yes. asking for something that has light activated therapy. So how does a laser, how do you whiten with a laser? Okay. So you have to come with, you need to buy a special kit. Like you can't just get whitening over the counter off. Like you can't just like pull crust white strips and start those on your teeth and laser them. So you have a kit, you put on a gum barrier so that it you can only whiten just the enamel. You don't whiten right. the root surface. You paint on this special, you know, co- coating of whatever what kind of brands, what gel. brands make this like independent so, whitening the gel. The two that I know of right now off top of my head are BioLase and they make, you can literally buy it from the BioLase store. It's a 45% hydrogen peroxide gel and also AMD Picasso. And they Mm. sell their top of the line Picasso plus does whitening. They, you can also get Picasso gel for Pioneer Elite. That is Ivoclar Vividence. You know, the Navigator, that's their, they do whitening as well. So that I believe is like a 35% gel. So anyways, you paint the gel on the teeth and then with how the class four laser, different than Zoom, Da Vinci, what you see in the mall, you have a whitening wand and you literally whiten each quadrant for usually 30 seconds. I think the Picasso system, I believe is 30 seconds. And then you leave it on the teeth for 13 minutes. So it just activates the gel mm. to seep into the tooth, follow mm. the organic material. So with BioLays, you do one minute of whitening and you leave it on for 10 minutes. Both these systems, you can apply two times or three times. So essentially what's different than Zoom or Da Vinci, some of these other systems that you can have on your teeth for an entire hour, you have on the teeth for a total of either 20 minutes or 20 six minutes. I think if I add 13 and 13, talking about math here, <laughs> Anyways, the one. <laughs> 20, 25 minutes or so you get, if the gel is only on the teeth for le- like 20, 25 minutes, the teeth are only lasered for like a minute to two minute period. It doesn't dehydrate the tooth. Unlike those other systems that the light is on there. 
I got Zoom on my own mouth and I was, you couldn't, you can't even move. I like got out of there. I was sore. I was having pins and needles. Mm. I have never had patients that I cannot even ultrasonic can go through laser whitening. There's also so something. What does the tip the- look like? So I'm thinking of like my Serona laser that comes with yes. individual tips that kind of clip in. And then there's a tip that goes on that kind of looks like um, a, a curing light at the end. Like a it's got black, like the glass, little, black, yeah, little black glass curing light, which is the same tip that I use when I uh, laser like aphthous ulcers. Um, little aphthous ulcers and stuff or like cold sores. Like I use that tip when I do the thing on the, on the, on the like buccal mucosa or on the vermilion border. So is it, is it that glass tip that we're using or is there a specific type of Serona system, you can do the laser whitening and it is like a curing light, but you'd have to cure each and every single tooth. So it's not as easy. It's usually like a hand piece that you put on that I would say it's on the width wise. It's probably like one to one and a half inches long so that it can do an entire quadrant. And you would say it's probably like a half inch long. So that way you can just aim it it's curved like the mouth and you just aim it up from, you know, nine through 15 or 9 through 14 and you just it, all the lasers it's like a count sextant down. at a time basically and sort of thing a quadrant usually you just oh, do quadrant mm-hmm. cool yep. and then you're just it counts it down and you're done it's it's kind of where you can daydream as a hygienist because you're just doing your whitening. <laughs> you're putting your grocery list together. I'm, I'm, like, I'm, in my head, I'm like yeah. thinking about what am I going to do? Do I need to give the dog night? a bath tonight? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then okay. when you're all done, you see this fabulous white mouth and you're like the patient's happy. I, I, I get instant gratification. I'm like, oh yeah. my gosh, your mouth just looks so fabulous. And I feel good about it. They feel good. And it wasn't hard. <laughs> What a fun so, way to break up yeah. your hygiene day too. You're right. That is yes. cool. And we charge your side. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. What do you charge? Sorry. Say that again. We charge like 425 bucks. And I, yeah. we did a new patient special of laser whitening that was 225. And every new patient, no matter if you are like making ends meet paycheck to paycheck, they want the $200 laser whitening. When I'm on the East coast, they're charging 600 California. They're probably charging like a thousand. Right. Mm -hmm. People Mm -hmm. want laser whitening and they want things done now. Like I don't want to whiten my teeth every day for two weeks. I don't want to like not drink wine or drink coffee every day for two weeks. I want it done. I won't do something for a day and I'm good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about perio. Um, Let's talk about using laser and adjuncts to SRPs and perio maintenance appointments or both because you know, sometimes it's a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. How do you, and I, this is probably like a course that you put on is like, how do you treatment plan or how do you advise someone that's new to doing this to start treatment planning using a laser? Cause it might be overwhelming for someone to be like, okay, I'm going to do a full SRP and a full mouth of, of laser in one sitting. How do you, what's the gateway conversation to that? So I know a lot of people get scared, like, how am I going to incorporate this time, you know, this machine that's going to take time away from my schedule? How do I easily incorporate it? Who are the, the lasers killing bacteria, okay? It's helping just get rid of bacteria. Who has the most bacteria? SRPs. So the, it, like bar none, if you can add laser in, and if, if I picked mm-hmm. one procedure that you would, if you chose just one thing to change your schedule with, it would be 
post SRP going in the pocket and pulling out biofilm out of the pocket. Like that's literally helping your patient sixes go to threes, sevens go to fours. Okay. Like right then away. So think, SRP, yeah. you do your debridement, you do your disclosing agent, you use your ultrasonics, you finish with your hand scaling before you do any, anything else, you use your laser right then and there. Use your laser. You go down the bottom of the pocket. You, you're literally almost scraping the tissue with your laser. You literally mm-hmm. pull against the tissue with a very light hand stroke. It's a little glass tip and you just see little biofilm come out. I was just in the office on Saturday doing one, uh, doing a patient and I did, she just she had a couple five millimeter pockets. I just went in there. It took me 30 seconds at the end of her appointment. Granted, that wasn't an SRP, but it, it's not that hard. And you can incorporate just on the deeper ones. But think if you have one laser tip and you have a whole quadrant, you could go around all of those teeth in maybe three or four minutes and treat every pocket. Just because it's a three and has some bleeding doesn't mean it's you need to just shove that off and only treat sixes. Mm. That way at your evaluations, all the pockets got decontaminated. Your sixes go to threes, your threes, twos, twos, ones, because your one laser tip, you got to go around every pocket. So that's what I would, the other way that you can incorporate lasers without having to go crazy in your schedule is who else builds up the most bacteria? Your three and four month. So could you prior to their teeth cleaning, use the laser in a different way and just reduce the bacteria that you're before you ultrasonic and you scale? What that's going to do is release less bacteria is going to get into their system with bacteremia. Less is going to get in the aerosols mm-hmm. that you breathe. So it's better for you. And the beginning. in the beginning mm-hmm. of the cleaning. Yes. So that takes like five my, minutes. In my, in my mind, if I did that at the beginning with my old Ivoclar laser, <clears throat> that tip would have been initiated like immediately. It would have been setting mm-hmm, on fire, mm-hmm. plumes everywhere, burning tissue. Like <laughs> there's no way that I like bacon in here. <laughs> right. <laughs> like there's no way that I would have been able to do that back back with my old laser because it would initiate the tip like immediately. Just having like you don't do anything. So you just like just straight in, straight out kind of thing. There, if there are three or four months and they have, I mean, so you pro- hopefully saw them three months ago. So hopefully right. they've been doing a good job with their, I push home care in my, almost all of my patients were three or four months, like every right. single one. If you were six months, you were like, a you child. didn't have a spot bleeding in you. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes children are three months. Okay? Well, they're worse too. Yeah. <laughs> so I sometimes polish first. If you have somebody that doesn't, an older person or that, you know, doesn't take care of their mouth, polish then you can do it. But for the most part, if you saw them three months ago and they're doing a good job, give them a toothbrush, brush your teeth and then I'll see Mm -hmm. you. It shouldn't Mm -hmm. initiate. It should not. Are there any contraindications to polishing and the polish itself going subgingival before you laser or and or using air polishing or air prophylaxis? um, No. Either with sodium bicarbonate or nothing. Like it doesn't affect at all. No, I mean, you wouldn't want to, if I, I unfortunately haven't been able to do the air polisher. I, that is one tool I would love to use all the time, but my boss didn't invest in that technology. If 
when you use that, does it create little particles that are just sitting underneath the gum? Because that could Sometimes, block yeah, the laser depending, light. So depending you, on what you're using. So if it's mm-hmm. sodium bicarbonate, I guess the the micron size is larger. And then you've got yeah. sodium bicarbonate or <laughs> erythritol powder or glycine. And glycine and erythritol are like smaller part of, particle size. And then there's like aluminum tri tri Try hydroxide. Um, that's the one which that is like meant for someone that has it. a cardio, yeah, low sodium diet. Um, but yeah, there are like little granules, um, which might be a fun fact for us to research if there's any contraindications to using lasers. I'm sure that like most companies will say that because there's probably little research that's done to identify whether or not that's a, I find that often it's like, well, is this a contraindication? It's like, well, we're not quite sure. So we're going to say, yes, perhaps it may be a contraindication, but we'll research it later and we'll find out. Mm-hmm. You can use laser. The only thing that I was thinking of is like, hey, we want that light to go all the way to the base of the pocket. And what if there's all these particles in its way, then is it really making it to the base? So ideally you want to do it before. I have polished people pr- prior to the late laser and some offices, and I've done this myself, I have to show the patient their probe readings to show okay, we have some areas we're watching. We have some bleeding points. Can I use, I'm going to use the laser now. Is it ideal to use it prior? Yes. But sometimes you have to cater to the patient and it's still better than you still get to use the laser before you ultrasonic or you scale. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I'm in alignment with that. And I think now too, especially with this particular pandemic, the idea of utilizing things that are non-invasive, things that are a little bit more, I don't mean to say fully holistic, but certainly um, not as aggressive. Um, Patients view that as an ideal opportunity. And I know, Joy, you and I did a lot of programmatic content uh, when the pandemic had first started, even kind of conceptualizing this idea that utilizing lasers reduces the viral load of aerosols that are generated. So if you utilize laser bacterial reduction pre-procedurally, then you go through with your ultrasonics and you're utilizing a staged approach to the ultrasonics using a big ultrasonic tip to, you know, break up the majority of the pieces. Then you grab a slimmer tip and so on until you get more detailed that it's an optimal way to reduce potential viruses that could be thriving in the aerosols. So early on, hygienists were utilizing not only pre-procedural rinses, to help reduce viral load in the mouth, but also laser bacteria reduction subgingively to help with that, which is, um, you know, I think a unique way to integrate that into our profession and certainly something that helped, you know, Irene had asked and, and just kind of mentioned it earlier, it certainly kicked open the door. If you ever wanted to integrate new technology right. into the practice or wanted to have that dialogue with a patient, that was a really great way to introduce this. I would like to go ahead and perform this procedure because it's going to help us with X, Y, and Z. Um, which I think is kind of it's a cool so way to like, pull patients lasers don't, in. Often don't understand. They're like, well, what do you mean you're going to reduce the bacterial load? And it, they, it's like, they can't understand what they can't see and they can't quantify yeah. because bacteria is minuscule, but they understand tartar. So mm-hmm. we often have to like break it apart and be like, well, do you know what tartar is? And they're like, no. I'm like, do you know what plaque is? I'm like, no. Do you know what bacteria is? And they're like, yes. I'm like, do you know what bacteria eats? And they're like, no. I'm like, bacteria eats the same stuff that you do. And it poops yeah. just like 
like you do. So plaque is the bacteria poop that gets hardened with the calcium in your saliva. And they're like, calcium in my saliva? I'm like, yeah, it's like the stuff that's underneath your sink ring that you have to clean off. That's bacteria biofilm that's calcified with the calcium from your sink. So like we go through this thing and then then they get it. But it's like when you tell mm-hmm. them from the beginning, yeah, I just need to reduce the bacteria. They're like, what is she doing? She's waving this magic little red wand in my mouth. Like just like- <laughs> Like a cane in Harry Potter. Potter. Yeah. <laughs> like, <And> then, <laughs> my patients- They don't get it until I, you like break it down. You mm-hmm. do. And I came up with, because Colorado is kind of turning organic-y. We're all turning into boulder. We're all hipsters. We're mm-hmm. granola yeah. So when I tell patients, <laughs> this is like an organic teeth cleaning. The reason you eat organic meat is because you're worried about the pesticides getting in your body. We can use a laser to reduce all that extra bacteria that's released into mm-hmm. your body. And everyone really liked that. Or if you have patients that like, go to the dermatologist with wrinkles. You can say the dermatologist would use a laser on your face to tighten Mm -hmm. up your face. We use the laser to tighten up your gums. Ah. So it's harder for the bacteria to reattack in your gum tissue between our visits. So this helps even when I'm not seeing you when you're not in my chair and when you're not doing that daily water pick, you know, or. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, Isn't wow. she a wealth of knowledge, Irene? <laughs> Just the wealthiest. You I are the wealthiest ya. of knowledge. Um, I tell you. But unfortunately, it is time, Katrina. Tis time. It is time. Do you know what time it is, Joy? Is this the tooth or dare time? Oh, she's studying. She knows. She knows. She knows. She's studying everything. I was listening last night to all the podcasts. What am I, I going to like, do? What's going to happen? Podcasting in one night. <laughs> I saw all the notifications of your downloads last night, all 45 episodes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm joking. Um, you have it access is. to my Spotify? What? No. <laughs> <laughs> it is the time. It is the time, the tooth or dare portion of, of our episode. And we are called the tooth or dare podcast for a reason. At the end of every episode, Katrina and I do a rock, paper, scissors. Um, and then the loser goes up against you. You can decide whether you accept or dish out a tooth or a dare. Um, so in, 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 in that light, are you, uh, Katrina, have you been doing your stretches? I have been. Yes. Yes. I know I you're feel- going to jazzercise later. So like, this, this is your warm up. This is going to be your cardio warm up. Okay. This is Ready? it. This is more- okay. So okay. in the interim, in, in the uh, you can follow <laughs> Irene at toothlife.irene. You can follow Katrina at the dental wine genus to please find us. You can find us toothordare.podcast and you guys check it out because we're doing a makeover on our Instagram right now. And we definitely want to know what you guys think. So please check it out, slide into our DMs and let us know yes. what you think. And of course, please find the fabulous Miss Joy Rasky on Instagram. You can find her at Advanced Dental Hygiene and check out her fabulous laser company. She offers live and online hands-on laser coursework at advanceddentalhygiene.com. Also keep your eyes peeled um, on Advanced advanceddentalhygiene.com for uh, some fabulous coursework coming down from Katrine and Joy. Um, We're going to be launching some cool stuff on there. So keep your eyeballs and earballs peeled for that. With that, Irene, Irene, are you ready to rock it and roll it? I'm ready. I've never had you take the reins on that part of it. I took the reins because I was like, no, we have to do it. Just like, take it. Okay. Ready. Okay. 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 Paper. Paper. Scissors. Scissors. Go.
<gasps> Irene, I, I won again. This is I got, crazy. I rocked. You rocked my scissors world. I rocked your I rocked your world, rocked, Irene. Rocked my scissors world. Okay, uh, Joy, you you and me, baby girl. What are we doing? Are you accepting or you dishing? If you accept a tooth, it happens now. If you accept a dare, it goes up on social media within seven days of this episode. La haunching. So I'm usually a dare person, but I will accept a tooth and do something Uh different. So throw it at me. We either will be friends at the end of this or we won't be friends at the end of this. Like this is, this is, I'm usually concerned for my truths. Um, I have a tooth for you. What do you say to a hygienist who says, I read the research and I heard that lasers don't work. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Okay, answer I, that one instead. Yes. I say I usually send them 40 or 50 articles and say, <laughs> did you see these? And I will tell them little tidbits out of each one, not just send them. I send, you know, this one says it kills this bacteria, this bacteria, this bacteria. And then I just say, you know, give me your experience of why it didn't work. What didn't happen? Just because I assume, did it, was it just once or it just doesn't happen on, doesn't work on all of your patients? Because Mm. was it the patient that maybe it just didn't work on? Were they clenching and grinding their teeth and your pocket didn't heal? It has nothing to do with your laser. Mm -hmm. So that's what I say. Here's 40 articles on how lasers kill bacteria. Please research all of these articles if you don't believe in it. And if you're actually using it, why isn't it working? Like, and I'll talk to them about occlusal forces and talk to them about, hey, we have to get good patients on good home care. How are you using the laser? What's your technique? Are you doing it the right way? I just have to try to figure out why they're saying this. If they've used it, did they do certain things wrong or is there calculus still on the tooth? That would be a hard mm-hmm. one to, mm-hmm. you know, can I come over and explore your patients? No. <laughs> <laughs> is, it, so, is it a laser know, thing or is it a you thing? Is it right, me or is it, right. it's not me, it's you. <laughs> yes. So yeah, good. Awesome. I like it. Cool. Awesome. Good question, Katrina. Thank you for swooping in okay. there and saving the day as you normally do. You normally save my day. I love you. I got you, boo-boo. All right, everyone. Well, thanks again for tuning in to another very fascinating episode of the Tooth or Dare podcast with our friend Joy Rasky. Uh, Ensure to follow the show notes below and see all of the cool things that these two lovely ladies are doing together and separately. Um, And, you know, until next time, peace out, peeps. Cheers. And we're back on the flippity flip. From the our, flippity flip. From, from the flippity flip. On Woo! the flippity flip. Wherever we are, we are here. Um, and I hope you enjoyed Wherever the episode. Go, with, you are. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed, um, you, you know, your viewership uh, of the episode with Joy Rasky to our, to our viewers at home. Right, Katrina? Yes. To our viewers at home. The viewers who are <laughs> viewing us. From home. We're view- viewing our, who are I viewing us with their together. ears from home. Oh, it's man. all good. You need to go to jazzercise and I'm get go your jazz jazzercise together. Yeah, I'm Just so jazz it out. I have That's to jazzercise it. all of these enchiladas and chalupas oh that I God. ate from New Mexico. I got a lot. I got Aww. a lot to jazzercise out, girl. I feel like if I ever get a dog, like a chihuahua, I'd name it Chalupa. That's a cute name for a dog. 
I feel like I it would be a cute name. If anybody has a dog named Chalupa who listens to us, place a photo of Chalupa on Instagram and tag us. We want to know about yeah, it. Yeah, I want to know if you have a dog named Chalupa. Who or has any a dog other named or type any of other taco? Chihuahua. Like I bet people, people have named their their Chihuahuas Taco. I feel like. Do you think so? Yeah, I don't know. I want to know if you're if I you're listening. Know. And you, tag us. If you've we named your dog it. any form of like ethnic food. Like I want to know. <laughs> Anything, this is anything spaghetti, my Boston yeah. Terrier. <laughs> this is this is butter chicken. <laughs> All right, girl. All right. Well, I love you. I love I you. I won't, I won't see you at any trade shows anytime I soon, know. but I still love you. I'm gonna carry yeah. you around like an Irene. Like I'm gonna put up a, a picture of you on a popsicle stick and just hold well, it. I have to. And I have I'm to send you a recording equipment, so you may or may not find something interesting in that bag. Oh, presents from Irene. You never know. Okay. All right, everyone. Enjoy okay. the rest of your week. Thanks again for tuning in to another fabulous episode of the Two Third Year Podcast with your peeps, Irene and Katrina. And you know where to find us on, you know, the gram and stuff. And, you know, we'll 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 see you guys later. Peace out, peeps. Woohoo! Cheers. And then you've got yeah. your urethritol. Oh, <laughs> your, no. Not my urethritol, <laughs> your urethritol. That goes in the bloopers, please, and thank you.